A lot to cover tonight. Mike and I played in the quest to qualify on Thursday at our 3M media day today out of TPC Twin Cities, which uh, which gave Timmy a good warm up for next week at the Rocket Mortgage. Maybe today's the day I break 80. Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading. No OB and no bogeys. I gotta keep it on the 80. It's the gold. Well, you hit it on one. Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break 80. Break 80. Break 80. Break 80. Welcome to episode 58 of the Break 80 Podcast. Dowd's here. A lot to cover tonight. Mike and I played in the quest to qualify on Thursday at our 3M Media Day today out of TPC Twin Cities, which uh, which gave Timmy a good warm-up for next week at the Rocket Mortgage. Some big professional events played this week. Um, so let's start off with just uh, welcoming Mr. Top 100, Tim. How are you tonight, Timmy? Oh, doing well. Just looking up great interview questions for uh, Friday through Sunday. Yes, I can't wait to hear what you would come up with there. And then um, oh then we have with us tonight to defend himself um, from what went down with the qualifier and the content we've been waiting for. Short-sighted Mike here tonight. Um, well, do we want to start with what everybody came here for, Mike? Do we want to talk about our quest to qualify? Um, we can. Do you want to start with that? For the banger? Shit. How much? Uh, how much? Uh, how much time do we have? I uh, I have eighty five minutes. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, we did not qualify. We get, if, you want the, start with if, you want, if you want the really quick synopsis, didn't go well. Uh, I well, let me like let to... me let me just set the tone. Let me like for those that are just chiming in, what this even is that we've been talking about a little bit. It's just uh. Um, you know, there's this, there's this uh, like not underground, but there's this amateur scene of tournament golf that is played in every state, right? You're, you've got people that still want to compete. They still want to see how their game matches up. They're not professionals by any means, but there's some really, really good amateur players out there. And so most of the states have something called a state amateur where you try to identify the, you know, the states, you know, for that given tournament, the state's best amateur player. And so what we try to do is, a podcast is qualify for the um, state amateur, which was held at Minneapolis um, golf club. And the three of us signed up um, before we get to, you know, how our rounds went, we do have to say that um, I think we talked, touched on it last week, but Tim ended up having to WD um, with the work trip. So he didn't get a chance to play in it. I know he's bummed about that. So he won't have much to, to, to chime on as far as playing, but maybe he can do some more of the, the questioning and, and uh, getting, you know, dig, diving deep into what happened in our rounds. But, um, yeah, with that being said, uh, uh, you know, I would say both of us, well, I guess me, I was I was kind of happy with I shot. There could have been a lot worse. I was not playing well. But I, I know Mike was probably not pretty happy with uh, with how his, I, okay. how his round went. So let's let First him First of all, it's not out. like I went home and just crawled up in the field position, and, <laughs> you know, with like sucking on my thumb like mommy or something. <laughs> um I don't even really know. So, man, I don't even know how to describe this. First of all, I I will never again any any professional golfer we've ever given a hard time to for shoot break shooting over eighty. I want to apologize right now, <laughs> um, as I did not break eighty. That that was actually the first round besides whistling and like the eighty mile an hour winds and you know in a while I haven't broken eighty. But I don't even know. Like where I don't even know where to begin. The crazy thing is I was telling Tim today we were playing after in the afternoon. I said I didn't have a single penalty stroke. No penalty strokes. And I shot worse than um I actually shot in the state am one year when I did qualify with nine penalty shots. I still bested my qualifier <laughs> that I that I shot yesterday. Uh I don't know. I uh, I really hit it poorly. I hit four greens in regulation. And did not get up and down at at all. I had like three or four doubles, two shanks, <laughs> like complete, like just Dog straight up in the shank. Back. That's how I started the day. Well, not off, not on the on the first shot, but 
I uh, I started on the back on a par five. It's, I had to hit like two iron off the tee. So I had two iron, two iron up to the right of the green, but I was behind a tree because I flared it out right away from some water. Had to hit like this little punch, like little punch, like gap wedge, you know, under the tree. And then of course I shanked it straight right out into the 17 fairway. <laughs> so I started out with double. That was a good hot start. And then I part of the next one, but um, yeah, I don't know. I was terrible. It was just bad. I don't like, there's no way around it. Like, there's no, there's no excuse. Nothing. I was so effing bad. It was just, like, awful. I, uh, I don't know. The only thing I can think of, because I'm not going to sit here and say I wasn't nervous. You're always a little nervous at, a tur- you know, a tournament. But, like, I've done a few of them, like, four or five. I've made it before. So, it's like a, it's not like I had this, like, humongous, uh, you know, urge to prove I was going to do something. I mean, I've done that before, but, and I have zero chance of winning the state am, so, you know, whatever. But I, I, the only thing I think of is like, I was a little bit rushed. And normally I'd get, I play golf rushed anyway, but for that, you do want to warm up a little bit. I did get four swings on the range and in two putts. Um, but I went to the first tee and just like chunked the two. I ended up going out there a little ways, but so bad. But um, yeah, I don't know. I played so I could not like slow myself down. If that makes sense, you start playing bad and, and it's one of those things where um, there is an actual score you have in your head that, you know, you kind of have to shoot, especially on a nice, a pretty nice day. Other than it was really hot and muggy, but on a nice day on a fairly easy golf course, um so so like i and, and that i had just played well on the, the last nine the last time i played it on monday so that's the only thing i think of like I, I just couldn't slow down because you start out bad and then you know as much as they're telling and you know you hear people say oh one shot at a time and all that in this situation it's kind of a, a little bit of bs because you know in the back of your head what the score needs to be to get in so you're like you just can't I just could not slow myself down. I, no matter what I was doing, I was like walking slow. I don't know. I had like three drinks pounded before the before I got off the first hole, and it was, it was at eight in the morning. <laughs> that might have been a problem. <laughs> <laughs> then, I, then I snuck in. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. And then right when I thought I was getting going a little bit, when we made the turn, I parred one even though I hit the T-ball like two fairways over it, almost into a hazard. And then on two, I pumped the drive. It's like three, I don't know what two is like three forty. That was like right in front of the green, like 20 yards short with a bunker there made double <laughs> hit it over the green, then chipped it back over the green and three putt from the fringe. And then it was just a shit show. Yeah. I don't know. It was bad. I don't know. There's nothing, there's no way around. It. I don't even know. It was like a f- freak thing. Like I just hit it bad, missed I can't remember the last time I hit, only hit that four greens in regulation. I hit it bad. And when I missed, it was really bad. Like fried eggs. I had two of those. I hit it into a fairway bunker on a par five on the lip. Uh, I don't know. Just bad. And then I, whatever. It's kind of a free occurrence because, well, today when we scrabbled it and played about that, I, I hit great with Tim this afternoon. I hit it fine again. Uh, on the front nine anyway, not the back nine. Thanks for but. showing up. <laughs> Yeah, and that was the big event. I need to be, make sure I beat Tim today. Bigger than the end. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still, I don't know. I'm still convinced you didn't show up at the state am because I wasn't there. You just you, <laughs> no, you relaxed. You I said, Oh, there's bad. nothing really on the table. I was horrible and I wasn't even the worst one in my group. Well, I will say this. I don't if you guys um sub- subscribe to our break 80 substack, I kind of tried to think through the you know th- this type of tournament, you know, where where, you know, you try to just be relaxed, but it's really the environment that it's set up to be isn't easily like you just can't get comfortable quickly, in my opinion. So what I talked about is I, I wrote about some things that I feel like I I went through or I go through when I play in some of these. I don't play in a ton of them, but my observations of when I'm in them and when I'm watching them, you know, as a golf coach, we kind of see that environment, too. But you know, Mike, you kind of touched on it. My first point was that golf is hard by nature. I mean, you get shots and lies and things that you can't necessarily and haven't practiced or don't get an opportunity to practice. And you just get these things that you just can't control, like lies. I talked about, 
you know, you've got different grasses. You might get, your ball might be in a hard pan. It might be in a really thick piece of grass that you're going to have a hard time getting up and down on. And just, it's just so much variables. Then you, you throw in, you know, wind and heat and all these other things. And it's really gets to the point where I kind of wrote about, you know, all these things that you can't really, you can control your shots, but there's a lot of things that you just are out of your control. You know, it's hard to put energy into something that you really can't um, control. And so I think that's part one of playing in some of these things. Like you're just going to get bad breaks. I mean, that's what golf is, right? And you probably, it sounds like you had quite a few of them. I'm thinking back to my round and it's like, I think every time I had a, in my head, a bad break, I kind of put myself there just from a bad swing. But, uh, you know, one of the other things I said, and you touched on it too, is the fact that, you know, nerves are there. Like, I don't care who you are. Like you get some nerves Um, just because, and the reason why I think you do is because you want to play well. I mean, ultimately you don't want to just show up and like, I mean, you paid money to try to qualify. That's kind of why you're there. So you're going to have nerves about something you care about and something that you want to perform well in. Right. And so like you, I had a, you had a double on hole one. I had a double on my second hole. And it's like, as soon as you do that, and like you said, you kind of get rushed. You know, one of my things that I've kind of learned in some of this is like you talked about, like try to do everything slower, walk slower, talk slower, um, breathe slower, swing slower. Cause everything is just so heightened in that atmosphere. You know, everything, your swing wants to jump, get faster. Your nerves kind of have everything wants to speed up. And so it makes it difficult. And I can feel my body doing that too. You know, I can feel my body wanting to rush, wanting to get up to my ball to see what kind of lie I have, wanting to, you know, instantly go up and read my pot, you know, instead of just hitting the shot, talking to somebody or relaxing or finding something to just kind of, because you know, you're not going anywhere. These rounds are not going to be three and a half hour rounds. Right. And that's another thing that you're, you're used to. So I have, I, I talked about that because I think that's something and I, I don't know how long it took you, Mike, but. I think it took me like three, you know, usually it's around three to five holes to get like comfortable into my round. And if I can't hold off and play super well in those five holes, I feel like it kind of puts me in a little bit of trouble. Like I just want to be able to play well when I have that feeling. And then finally when I'm, all right, I feel comfortable. I'm just playing regular golf now. Cause I think everybody at some point feels like they're, Finally into the round, they kind of know your playing partners a little bit. Like you kind of know them. You've talked to them a little bit, know their games, know that they put their pants on the same way you do. You know, it just turns into just regular golf at some point. But that's takes a while. And I said in the article, like sometimes it takes one swing for some people. Some people may never get comfortable or may take them full nine holes. Mike, when do you think like you kind of when you play in something like that? When do you feel like you get kind of settled into your round? Uh, well, I, uh, last week I didn't get comfortable till the 19th hole. Once we got the, once we got the <laughs> drink afterwards, I was good to go. Uh, yeah, I just think, um, I don't know. It, it, the thing with the thing with the qualifier is the state am once you get there in a way is kind of easier because you, you know, the state am is a 54 hole event. Uh, you're guaranteed 36 holes and then they do a cut after two rounds, but you have time. If you have a bad hole or two to kind of absorb that and make up a difference uh, where it's like at this one, I doubled right away. And I, as much as I, I was trying to tell myself, I remember I was on the, like walking up the second hole. I had a good t-shirt right away. The second hole. I was telling myself, cause the first year I ever tried to qualify, I made it. And I know I made a double bogey in that round. I made a double on the par three. So I was telling myself, well, we've made a double before, you know, we'll be fine. Uh, but that round, I didn't make any other doubles and I made like five birdies, you know? So it's like, I I didn't make shit way to like one birdie at Highland. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I don't know. Sometimes you just, sometimes you just get going bad. It's just hard to, to turn it around other times it's not it's not you can do it something happens and you're fine and other times you, you, you're fine you're comfortable the whole round i don't know like, well and that's why i think yeah that's what's that's well that's kind of what i was gonna i kind of mentioned that too in my articles that i feel like you know when things go bad you know you either well you 
And this happens a lot. Like you've got a really good player that just ends up having a hole or two that goes bad. And then they kind of lose their focus and it just kind of, everything goes bad. And you have two choices. You can either just play through it and try to get your mind back on track and fight and try to shoot a respectable score. Or you can WD and just say, Oh, this sucks. I'm out of here. People do that too. Right. And quit. But that's not kind of what we're going to do. You know, that's not what we do. So it's hard, like when when you have high expectations of yourself, or at least I mean, because Mike, you are I've played with you a ton, Tim's played with you a ton. Like we honestly thought you could honestly shoot seventy two out there pretty easy at that <laughs> well, golf course, right? You know, it's I, like I thought so. Well, I shot thirty three with a bogey on the nine the front nine three days before. Exactly, and so the other thing is, you know, the I kind of touch on this is the fact that you know the environment that you play in on these, you know, when. When you go golfing, you golf with your friends, you golf with people you enjoy. And it's like, you could easily get paired with a division one golfer. And it's like, you're sitting there as a you know 40 year old guy of that doesn't practice versus a guy that plays 18 holes a day, practices for four hours. And it's like, you got to play around with them and think that you can go out there and beat them. That's like a weird psychological you know, thing. I think part of it is who you're paired with. I really do. I think that's a big part of it. And I, I got lucky. I got a comfortable, what they call a comfortable pairing. You know, you got, I, I had a, pa- a kid named Patrick that I knew and um, that kind of helped me a little bit, just somewhat ease the nerves. Cause I kind of knew somebody already. And then his caddy is new as well. But if you don't really know people and all of a sudden there's people watching or there's a parent there too, and extra people, it's like, that's just kind of a, a different feeling. Um, and you don't know what kind of golf you're going to get. Are you going to get a talker? Are you going to get a, a guy that's only there for business and doesn't want to say anything? Are you going to get a spaz? Like, what do you, what kind of person are you going to be playing with, too? It's just, that's a lot to take in, I feel like. And that's why this sport is so, um, you know, different compared to everything else. You know, you're kind of on an island with yourself, right? Yeah. And, and I, the other thing I think, if you if you have just one aspect of your game that's that's bad at the time, Maybe in less putting. I mean, if you're putting horrible, but like if you just weren't hitting driver good or something after a few holes, you could put it away and just hit something else. When you're like, I was struggling with everything. Driver was left and right. Then I hit a good one and then I got a wedge and I missed a green. I blocked it right. It was so, it was a, so bad. It was like, you can't hide from it. I was like, I can't hit an iron off the tee because if I do, I'll just hit the next wedge crappy or something. It was so bad. I don't even know. I don't even know how to describe the feeling. Of almost like helplessness, but anyway, it's all yeah. And I think part of part of the reason why we did this was you know it was because I mean, like you said, let's be honest, we got to have some self awareness here. We're not going to win the state out, right? That's just that's not going to happen. Even for me, like even thinking that I can have a chance to qualify, I need to kind of think that way. Otherwise, you know, why are you even showing up? But at the same time, you know, when I think of my round, I was not playing well going into it. So it's like, I kind of had this a little bit extra added pressure and nerve knowing that these things could go really bad because I have not been playing well. And so this could go really bad if, if I don't uh, find a way to scrap the ball around and I ended up breaking 80 on a nice, beautiful, beautiful up and down on 18. I was there. I was there already drinking. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, come on, man. If there's one, and that's, that's the kind of thing that like you were talking about, like I had this other thing to fight for. It wasn't like at that point I wasn't making the cut. Right. So I was like, I'm going to fight to stay on brand. Like that's what I'm going to try to do. I've got this other secondary goal that I'm going to set for myself. I'm probably not going to make six birdies here to try to get into the hunt again. So can I just find a way to scrap it, finish under 80, you know, take that as a victory. That's kind of how the golf I've been playing anyways. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't anything different than kind of what I've been playing. So anyways, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those experiences. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Shout out though, to friend of the pod, Patrick, who first like legit competitive event, I think he's never played really shot 74 and played really well. Yeah. That's really hard to do. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. See, I, I guess not to go back to my article again, but I just feel like there's there's two type of people in this kind of a thing. You've got the the gamers, the guys that how somehow in something like this actually play better than they normally would with just buddies, right? Because they whether it's a focus issue, whether it's uh, you know, it's usually something to do with focusing, or whether it's just this 
you know, they black out. I, I there's, there's, the, there's that guy out there that for whatever reason, I, and I told you about my buddy that won the club championship as like a six, seven handicap, like out of nowhere shoots these scores that, you know, when it's a full round, you have to play your ball out. There's no scorecard doubles. There's no, that's good. Pick it up. It's complete real golf. And then they shoot better scores. And it's like, that's really interesting to me. And then you've got the guys that, and I said this, like I've seen, cause I follow kind of like, Hey, it's kind of like, huh, how did that guy shoot? What's his handicap? And you've got like a guy that's like a plus two shooting like a 95. And it's like, what happened? You know, like it's the non-gamer. It's just the guy that probably puts too much pressure on themselves and doesn't know how to perform when they need to find it. And so I feel like there's a lot of that going on. There's a lot of really high scores for really good players. And then sometimes you get the, you know, the Patrick's that is a good player, but with zero, you know, experience just goes out there. It was even through what guys like 16, 15. I'm not sure, but played really well. Played really well. And so that, that, that was pretty impressive. Impressive. So Anyways, um, you know, we talked about that for quite a while. That was a buildup of many months of stuff and hitting in her basement. Mike pretending like he's going to go putt somewhere. Um, Bummed that Tim couldn't join us. Love to see what he would have done. You know, he could have played really well. He could have been in the mix too. Who knows? That so. was his chance too. That was the chance to get the win, the elusive W. Oh, don't I know. Don't I know. <laughs> I'm I'm still convinced that you played poorly just because I wasn't there. Oh, you, didn't, you didn't have your uh, support animal. <laughs> Tim, that's just another chalked up win for me over Mike. I mean, that's, you know, we're, yeah, we're getting, we're, we might have, we might have filled up a full hand now. That might be a round five. <laughs> just unbelievable as I continue to lose. <laughs> so... Well, we had another fun experience. I know that was not, you know, the greatest of experiences, but it's everything that you do, you learn hopefully from it. And that's what I try to do. I try to take something like that and think about the next time I'm in it. Um, you know, what are you going to do differently and whatnot? But we had a fun day today. We played in the 3M Media Day scramble. It was the three of us. Had a buddy, uh, Danny, join us to help us um, um, do some video recording. So hopefully there's a, a video coming out how we did. You know, we probably aren't going to go through everything as far as our games, but we'll say this. Um, you know, the greens were were rolling really well. Uh, I don't know what they were in the stamp, uh, but they were fast. Uh, it's, it's adjustment, but fun to play on. And the fairways are rolling. A couple of times I would hit kind of a lower trajectory and they just rolled out forever over 300 yards. And I was like, oh, that's great. That's fun. Um, so the course was in great condition. Um, the people are fantastic. Um, you know, we got, we, we got a chance to talk to Mike. We've had him on the podcast. Mike Welch is the um, tournament director. Uh, he does a fantastic job. Very personable guy. You can see that, uh, you know, he's he's kind of a, a person that's meant for that type of a job. You know, does a great job of connecting with people. Um, very, uh, you know, comfortable in front of the microphone. Uh, probably has, you know, has to make a lot of deals, has to talk to a lot of people, you know, as far as players to trying to get them to come. So we got to talk to him a little bit. Um, but as far as the experience goes, you know, playing wise, um, we didn't play fantastic boys. I would say started off okay, and then uh, the uh, the wedge games were subpar, and the putters were subpar. I thought we we were better from like shittier spots than we were from like the middle of the fairway with the wedge <laughs> yeah. in our hands. <laughs> yeah, the average <laughs> shot we were really bad at. We relied on, relied a lot on Mike's short-sighted golf expertise as <laughs> well. You know, we, it's a lifestyle. It's I'm a lifestyle. It. Yeah. So he got us up and down a couple of times from crazy spots to get to make birdie. But yeah, wasn't pretty. Wasn't a great display. But we do have video of it. So hopefully that comes out at some point. Uh, we'll let you know when it when it does. Um, but the the part that was interesting at the very end after this, we go and play. You know, have a good time. Um, by the way, it was boy, did they treat us well out there? I, I mean, yeah, great food. The, I could good. not. I mean, there was I had to pass up food that I normally would never pass up. I mean, we had red savoys in the morning, breakfast pizza. We had caribou um, in the morning. We had uh, some uh, mojitos out there. We had mimosas. Uh, or, okay, mo- mimosas. mimosas. Yeah, uh, we had what else did we have out there? We had uh, we had the burgers, burger, we had parlor tacos. burgers. Yes, parlor uh, burgers, yeah. Still, tacos. vodka. Dilly. I mean, there's how fun, how cool is that? So we want to shout out to the, to them for having us out and really, you know, dang, it was, it was a great time and they spoiled us. But um, 
after the round, they had us in for a press conference. Um, Mike kind of talked on the mic, or Mike Welch talked on the microphone for a while, talked about the event um, and what he does. And then, and then we had Tony Finau come on for 30 minutes. Uh, he was over on intercom. So he's on a kind of big screen up on the, you know, the thing. And, and uh, it was like uh, our first like press conference, press conference. It's a foreshadow as we have, officially gotten some media credentials for next week that we'll get to in a second. But um, let's just say that there were six questions that were asked today total to Tony Finau and the, and the break 80 podcast has three of them. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. uh, big we, timers. We're big. Yeah, timers. We, I think we were trying to read the room. Nobody else was really active. So, Hey, we'll fire another one. And, and Tim bless your heart. He he's, he's, he's going to get the, uh, he's going to let us know, <laughs> let, let Tony Finau know who we are. He's going to, Name drop, as you can, as you would say. Um, so you know, to, uh, you just you want to make yourself reputable, you know. So if, I, if I say Tim, Tim, break eighty, break eighty podcast here. Quick question <laughs> for Tony. Tim, Tim raised his hand, and Jeff and I looked at each other like, "Oh boy, <laughs> is the podcast done? Are we? Are we? Are, will we be canceled at this time next week?" <laughs> Tony, would you would you rather fight one hundred horse horse sized ducks? Or uh, <laughs> I forget how this goes. <laughs> no, I looked over at Tim when he had his hand up because he didn't say what he was going to ask. And I'm just like, you could see the wheels were spinning. Like he <laughs> had something. And I was just like, oh, boy, where's this going? But uh, what did you end up asking him, Tim? Uh, the first question was just around Minnesota and what his kids like to do. So uh, obviously, Tony's got a big family. We're kind of an outdoor haven. For the families that come up, a lot of people stay on the lake and and was just curious if if his family and the kids in particular had any favorite hobbies. So they really took a, a focus on fishing. And then the second one was if uh, if you were a superhero, which one would you be? No, it wasn't. It was uh, <laughs> it was about when he broke 80 for the first time. And it was when he was so young, he couldn't quite recall, but it was anywhere <laughs> 10, from 10 to 12, somewhere 10, 10 to 12 years old. And I got a gasp and a laugh from most of the audience out there. We will say he did filter that question through us. We're like, ah, we should probably just stick to 3M questions. And nope, <laughs> Tim fires away. And actually, it did, it did win over the room because everybody giggled and laughed. Because I don't think there was a lot of great golfers in there. There was a lot of like, just media people, whether you like to golf or not. And uh, when they heard that he was breaking 80 when he was you know, 10 years old, got a good got a good laugh in the room. Um, and then I, I asked... A uh, question trying to kind of rally it back to the 3M, just how the closing holes are here at, at TPC Twin Cities. I don't know if he really heard me all that well. I think he, I don't know if he heard the question of full, because I was just curious on what he thought of how the course finishes up with 17 and 18 there. That could be, you know, kind of boomer bust. You've got a lot of water problems, but you've also got birdie opportunities. So I was just curious on what he had said. Um, he just kind of went through his experience of, uh, 17 last year when he hit a, I think what he say? Six iron, 225 yards mm-hmm. over the green. Yeah. Said he was he amped he, up. He was, so. he was, he went from being down to like four shots ahead all, all at one time, basically when Piercy completely blew up over there on the other hole across the water. On yeah. Yeah. Whatever it is. He basically said like, if he was down a shot or like only up one shot, like he doesn't think that that would have happened, but he's just kind of amped up and, and uh, yeah, I wish I could hit my six iron 225 into the wind, um, as he said. So anyways, that's a great transition into the next piece of things that we want uh, to talk about. Like, you know, we've kind of tried our best to, to work at all year, I think starting in like January, you know, we've always had the podcast going, but then we started the the Substack, and we've written some articles here and there, and we've really tried to get more content out just besides talking on a microphone to each other for a while. And uh, we 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 took a stab. We we applied for credentials to uh, you know Tim wanted to to get down to Detroit or you know even the the, the John Deere coming up the week after um, this week and and uh, you know we we end up getting credentials and it's kind of a cool I guess accomplishment for us because you know you you do things because you have passion for them and it's like you know every time we put time into something or we try to, you know, connect with people. It's like doors open up, right. And in a doors opened up for us. And I hope, uh, hope Tim doesn't close it after next week. So. <laughs> Tim's, 
That's by the way, for of, all yeah. listeners, if you never hear from us again, it's because Tim is on his own in Detroit. <laughs> yeah. Un- unsupervised. Yeah, I went I went down the wrong street. <laughs> yes. Unsupervised podcast questions. If the PGA tour just cuts the mic on us, it's that's because I've, I've got a, I've got a bunch lined up over here now. Yeah, so we're sending Tim down to to Detroit and uh he's gonna you know, it's going to be one of those things like we just don't quite know what that means. Like when you have credentials and like, what does that entail? You know, what is he going to be able to do? Is he going to just kind of talk to whoever? I mean, it'll be kind of fun to follow him. So if you don't follow Timothy Corlett, I hopefully send some some videos to me as well. I can post a few, but um, yeah, give him a follow and see what uh, see his adventures as he goes down to, to Detroit this weekend. Uh, Tim, you got some questions lined up you're going to ask? Oh, I think I got some good ones over here. Uh, this might be a fun one. Using a scale of one to ten, rate yourself on how weird you are. <laughs> <laughs> Follow up question. Elaborate. Yeah, that that would uh, that would win some people over. Let me look at who we got. No, some of these guys. I think you guys looked up some some really bad interview questions, right? What are what are some that you guys found? Oh, here's another. How do you feel about affirmative action? <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna win people over. I don't know. We let me see what we got here. Let's look up some interview questions. What was the one that you had, Mike? You had said one. Well, it depends. We could go with the classic, uh, you know, the IQ test. Why are manhole covers round? That Google asked. But um, are you a hunter or a gatherer? That'd be a great one. <laughs> go up and down, up like and that. And see who's the who are the hunters and who are the gatherers on the PGA Tour. Here's, here's one. Joel Damon. Joel, serious question. Break eighty podcast. <laughs> Who do you like better, your mom or your dad? <laughs> um, speaking of Joel Damon, my uh, fiance super fired up that he's coming to the three AM because uh, after watching the Netflix show, he, he, he's she's got such a fan fan. I guess not fanboy, fangirl crush on Joel Damon now. Yeah, that show has a pretty big impact. I think Mike Waltz was talking about that today. How that's that has uh, heightened some things. So that's pretty cool. Well, anything, I mean, Tim, what is, what do you honestly think is your game plan? I mean, like you're going to head down on, well, let's talk about you're going to head down on Friday. You're going to head down, fly in in the morning. Yep. That's the the plan right now is uh, early, early, early flight, uh, be in Detroit by probably 9am. Go through the, the process of getting both the credentials and the parking pass and that situation all set up and hopefully using some of the guidance from our listeners, from you guys, from my own outreach right now, try to set up a couple places to talk to folks uh, that are currently either in the mix or, or try to set up some more interviews for us moving forward on the podcast and uh, just get some, get some reaction there from the course that next day, Saturday morning, I have a very early round set up at the University of Michigan course, which is a uh, Alistair McKenzie design. And uh, then after that, I'll be heading back over to Rocket, do some more coverage, um, maybe some photos. And uh, again, try to, to set up some more conversations with players, caddies, uh, people of interest. And then Sunday, going to try to set up something very early, brutally early over at uh, Michigan State. And the course that they use for a, a number of their tournaments, come back, close Rocket Mortgage, and and hopefully be back home by 10 p.m. on Sunday, along with visiting some of what I can't imagine are Detroit's best places. Seven Mile, Eight Mile, uh, yeah, the baby. old Packard plant, the old uh, Central Train Station, and a host been, of, of good restaurants. I've been to Eight Mile. R- brush up on your freestyle, Tim. Let's uh, That would be great content. Tim shows up. Going battle, do a little battle with somebody in the in the yeah. eight mile. I've been to um, eight mile, but it's been a few years. Have you been to Detroit yet, Tim? Is this your first time? I've never been. I've okay. never been, and that's why I'm so excited. It's been on my bucket list places to go, not necessarily for golf. To be completely honest, the Detroit area for public golf is not great. Uh, you you only have a handful of courses that are purely public and nothing necessarily noteworthy. Most things that you're going to find in the state of Michigan are going to be very, very far west. And then 
way up north. So it's nice to cross this off with such a big event and something to do. Uh, to be honest, that way I, I don't necessarily have to go back and lug clubs through the airport again. I can just go straight to Traverse City from here on out. I think uh, downtown Detroit's kind of been revitalized. I, I was there probably, oh man, it's been a long time now, maybe seven years ago. But I heard that uh, like there's a Greek town or something like that, the casino downtown. It's not bad. It's right on the water. But yeah, I've been yeah, eight it, mile. I, that's a rough, it, rough part of town. It's supposed to have quite the food scene now. Uh, it's also supposed to have a decent art scene and surprisingly a good tech scene just because it's a big city. They've got decent infrastructure and rent is so cheap. So it'll be really interesting to see the dichotomy of a revitalized downtown of Detroit, which it's supposed to be compared to what is still just a, a burnt out shell shocked kind of residential area, all of four or five miles directly outside of that downtown. So looking forward to it. If you're running a Novak, you got to set up a, you got to set up a Matt's bar stop when he comes to the 3M with us. We get a real burger for that guy. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I think, uh, if nothing else, like, I hope you, you kind of gather what is it like and, like, what do you, you know, because it sounds like you have a room in the media center, wherever that is. Like, you can sit there and maybe even type up a little thing on Substack, say, hey, here's something that I saw today or something, you know, just to kind of, you know, have something to do. Um, And then, uh, you know, where, when we say behind the ropes, what does that really mean? Like, are you, like, sitting there right next to everybody and you can just say, Hey, do you have a minute for me to ask you a question? Like, what is that really like? So that we can kind of take that and, and use it for our, hopefully here at the 3M in a couple of weeks, in like a month. Yeah, or if, so. you, if you see anyone being hauled off the tournament by, uh, <laughs> by police, because they're under the ropes, that'll be me claiming ignorance going, I, what do you mean? I thought I was supposed to be back here. Or they know that you're just a live supporter. They just kind of take them out of there. This guy loves live. Get him out of here. I thought we were all one. I thought this was was peaceful now. They're all copacetic. The, the media tent is full of people, and all of a sudden, somebody starts screaming fire, and it's just Tim smoking a cigarette in the back. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> old, of that. Old-time reporter on, on a ty- actual typewriter with a, with a cigarette just sitting there typing away. Speaking of that, can, we, can, we, can you get a, you know a, an unfiltered session with Grace and Sig? That would be perfect. Tim <laughs> unfiltered awesome. with, with Grace and Sig. <laughs> I like this new segment. That would be amazing content. Tim right? unfiltered. As you're just sitting out on one of those lounge chairs, just smoking one with a <laughs> glass of whiskey, just asking Grace and some things. That would hey, be Grayson, fantastic. If you could be any animal, which one and why? <laughs> I saw a good question. If you if you were famous, which they already are kind of, but if you were famous, what would your stage name be? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, we are. I, I we're not gonna. We're gonna try to. You know, we we usually get a little long winded here, so we're just gonna kind of run through some of the professional golf events that took place this week, and then kind of call it a night. So, anything else from from any of the other things, the the quest or the you know, heading to, heading to Detroit and anything that you guys want to touch on before we head to the next topic. Well, all right. Well, that's, you know, we've got uh, Detroit this week, the Rocket Mortgage. We just had the Travelers or the elevated event after the major, which we talked about last week, not being ideal. But uh, the old Keegan, he finally pulled it off as a, he's always plays well out East. You could kind of, you know, if you didn't see it coming, he loves to play in front of his home crowd, home home people. Um, Keegs just ball struck and uh, got a hot putter, even bowed to it at some point, um, worshipped his putter, and, uh, you know, he came with a W. Although I will say, we always say this, winning is hard, and boy, did he try. If there was anybody that was playing in his realm, he tried to give it away. I mean, he had like a five-shot lead and went bogey, bogey, made a par on basically a spot he should have had no business making par on. Um, you know, he went in the water once he was just doing a lot of things that wanted to give away the golf tournament, but that's what happens. You build up a lead. You've got a couple to, to hand out and, and, uh, that's what he did. Finish it off. So congrats to Keegs. Anything from the travelers? Yeah. Odyssey golf, just printing money right now with that jailbird putter third straight. You know, so last week at the U S open, both Wyndham and Ricky had it this week. Keegan wins with the same putter. Just 
printing money right now. That putter was like you used to be able to get it at a second swing, or like you'd see them on Facebook Marketplace, like a hundred bucks or less. There they were selling last week after Wyndham won, and Ricky used it for like seven hundred dollars on eBay used. And now Keegan Bradley won again with the same putter. And it's an what, old putter. What is it? What is it? What does it look like? So it's that it's a big, it's it's the mallet that's got an opening in the middle and it goes black, then white, then black, then white. It's got like stripes on it. Okay. You know, like in that so it's the Odyssey Jailbird. They've won, so it's been the last two weeks now. So does it kind of look like a spider? No, it's like um like imagine, you know, like you have you seen the Odyssey tank with like the fangs off the back? Yeah, those yeah, the hooks, yeah. Like yep. or like that it goes straight back. And but then okay. on the end it's connected. So there's a, there's a gap in the middle and then it's like, oh. so, the, so the face has an insert and then it goes all black and then all white, all black. So when you look down at it, you're looking at like these stripes that are like horizontal. Thus the jail. Yes. That's yes like a, jail. It's, like, it's like an old school jail, like suit, you know, or whatever. Got it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they, it's like, it's amazing. It's a, it's a putter from it's old. It's not like brand new and they're the prices have spiked. It went crazy because these guys are winning with it all of a sudden. Man, did they make birdies at that golf course. Holy crap. Well, Rory said it's, you know, the technology's made this course obsolete. He came out and said it. Yeah, it was. I mean, every time you look up, somebody was making a birdie. And if you were making birdies, I could imagine being on the PGA Tour and just knowing I have to go out and make 10 birdies in a round. Like the pressure of that would be you know, tough. Didn't, you know, did not make birdies, though, even after he was watching himself at the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> Chessy. Uh, Chess shot one over. <laughs> Everybody else is under par. He shot one over the last day. But he had a great time watching himself on the highlights there at Cheesecake Factory. But it's funny because they, you know, you had bombers, but tied for second, winning $1.78 million was Zach Blair. Good for him. Stand-up guy mm-hmm. who started his own golf course and buck club and he's been hurt. And Brian Harmon, maybe two of the shortest hitters out there on the whole tour, tied for second. One shot ahead of Scotty Scheffler, who again was top 12 for like the 400 straight time. Um, but it's but not yeah. a long golf course, right? It was only, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's not under 1,000 yards. It's a par 70. They played as a par 70, but it's okay. not very long. But yeah, they tore it up. And I don't know. Same things happen that always happen. Rory backdoored to top 10 again, got like seventh and. Um, Scheffler got another top three. And Timmy, maybe that's something you could touch on this week. If you get a, if you get a player, it doesn't matter who the player is. Just like, do you, do you, would you rather play a birdie fest or like, um, something that's difficult? You know, what, what kind of style of, of tournament would you rather be playing in? Cause last week was birdie fest. And then this, you know, we had like the colonial, for example, that was really difficult. And um, with the- with the proper weather, Detroit can be a birdie fest too. Guys get guys get close to twenty under there as well. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not particularly long for those guys. Or like, hey, if you're not if you don't make a birdie like in your first six the eight holes, are you just freaking out? Like, are you? Yeah. Ooh, you know, modern modern versus classic architecture could be a good talking point too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Everyone loves a good Foz. Uh, do they? <laughs> yeah. Is that who did River Highlands, Fazio? Uh, I don't believe so. I know they're going to a 36-holer Donald Ross facility, which yeah, where you're shocking, going is Ross. Shockingly, not to speak ill of TPC Twin Cities as we were just there, but it's about half the monthly cost to join the 36-hole facility at uh the country club or Detroit Country Club, as is TPC Twin Cities, which I was aghast at. I was shocked. I think a little bit of that when you're going to see this when you go there has to do with the location of the golf course. I think it's in a pretty rough part of town and stuff. It's not, it's not out in, you know, like a bougie suburb or something like that where people with a lot of the money are, are living. Probably. I think that's a good, good, probably a good point there, Mike. Well, the other tournament I want to point out is the KPMG, the women's major, um, you know, I'll probably butcher this, but um I don't know how you I really don't know how you say your first name. So I'm just gonna say Aryan. Sound it out. <laughs> you know, gets the W. And I think as I was watching it, uh, I had heard that she had hit 37 holes. Her last 37 holes she played, she hit the green regulation. Mike on last week's podcast was talking about you want to play good golf at more green regulation. Yeah. And she rips off 37 straight 
absurd. I mean, and then it's 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 over the weekend when you're supposed to have more pressure on you, and it's just like, how do people get their bodies to perform like that? Is just the psychological. It just fascinates me. I'm just that is such good golf when you need to have it that I just would love to dive into her brain. You know, it's like in her in in her ability to execute. You know, under that pressure on a in a tough golf course. So, I heard that like Baltistraw stroll this week was playing longer than TPC Highland. I'm pretty dang close for the women. Couldn't be playing at seven thousand yards. Well, it was the only River High. It was only playing like at sixty-seven or sixty-eight. I thought at one point. I mean, Baltistraw can be stretched back to seventy-five. I'm sure from the back for the men. Well, I'm I'm talking about how the, the women's versus. It was it was somewhat comparable, from well, what I, I heard. So. I I watched some of it. Um, the women amaze me because at the same time when I when I it's amazing that she didn't miss any greens. I also can sit there and watch them and be like, it makes a lot of sense. The tempo in the golf swings on some of those ladies is so good and so smooth. It's like. I only in my dreams could I swing it that smooth and nice. It's just perfect. And it's like almost mind boggling how smooth some of the swings are. Like there's no, not trying to hit it as hard as they can, not trying to just smooth. And the tempo is perfect. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I've always said like, if you are, if your golf swing is struggling, if you just feel like you can't find it, like go watch a woman's golf event. Like they will put you in a, good place just by watching that swing and that tempo it just makes you want to go out there and just hit these buttery you know smooth shots and not try to be masculine and just dominate a golf course with your power right it it makes you want to just put a good swing on it rather than a hard swing on it um and and yeah I, i always liked watching girls golf before i play because it just puts me in a good mindset um, and, and they, they, develop, you know, they, I feel like every time I, there's very few of them are herky jerky. You got, you got your Leslie Thompson's, you know, she's kind of a, a tough golf swing to watch. Um, but she gets the, it a long way. Cause she clears. She the does. Kind of she does. Way. Yeah, she does it. But, but 90% of those girls are just, the swings are what you would basically teach anybody. It's just such on plane, such good tempo. And there's no, there's a reason why they have just incredible stats from hitting fairways to hitting greens to you know putting um so and then i was gonna say Zhang too like she was in the hunt she was one back kind of in you know down the back nine of of the tournament and made a couple kind of sloppier bogeys and, and finished at t8 but it'd be kind of fun to follow her and see where what she's able to do you know um i think was that her first major ever i'm assuming i think so Unless yeah, she, believe so. the, she just is, I think she just turned pro right after her stellar college career. I was just curious though if she had played as an amateur in one. As, as, oh, I don't know. Rose, eh? Yeah. I don't know. She was up there again, though. Yeah, she took T eight. So I was just curious if that was her first official major or not. But as a professional, you're right. That Tim, that would be her first as a as a pro. As a pro. So. She's I guarantee she's played in the US Open because she had to have some status from amateur events there. You are so, right. Though. They, uh, played at, they played at sixty six hundred yards at Baltusrol. Yep, I've got it at sixty eight thirty one. I see sixty six twenty. I mean, they were coming in there. They had like two hundred twenty yard par threes. I mean, people were hitting seven woods, five woods. So they they did stretch it out. That's good. It's a major. Like, oh jeez. Well, think about it. They're hitting seven woods and five woods in the par three. The men at the U.S. Open were doing the same thing. They're hitting three woods down there, two ninety. True, but so what not? was the why? what was the better hole, the two hundred ninety yard par three or the hundred and fifteen yard par three? I love the little. Uh, hole. I like. I like the. I actually really love the mix the USGA did. Have some long ones. Have one short one. Have an eighty yard par three that's kind of wild green. That'd be that's awesome. Why not do it every damn tournament? It's fun to watch. And I don't mind that either. I don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with a really long part of three. Like I, I think that is a, a golf shot that if you're going to be a professional, you have to be able to hit. But I also, I also don't want it to be. You know, I think 
I think a major's job for the most part is to try to find who the best overall golfer is, not the longest player or the one that can hit green, you know, par fives and two. And I think the the U.S. Open was what did do that. I think they found the best golfer that week, yeah, from short I, game to, to driving to putting. I thought the USGA and they they they've taken more heat more so for like it was a rough fan experience. I think and a tough golf course for fans. Um, and a few pros didn't like the blind shots. I thought that was a really good setup, a really cool mix of holes. Par fives were gettable, but long. You had to hit like three woods into them, you know, whatever. Uh, some of the par fours you, had, you hit were really brutes, and others were pretty easy. Par threes were all over the place. It was a pretty good mix of holes. I agree. So, well, we're trying to keep this one a little shorter. Anything else you guys want to touch on before we sign off? And no. Nope. Nothing. All nothing, right. Well, nothing over here. Just looking for if if the folks have any suggestions on Detroit places to go, uh, things to do, golf, non-golf. Please let us know. Uh, Break eighty on Instagram. Uh, always looking for the best in any one of these areas, and likely coming out with a how-to guide on Detroit or a how-not-to guide on Detroit, depending <laughs> on how it goes. I like that better. I like that better. Yeah. Yeah, what not to do in Detroit is with the article that you need to write. It's just and a bunch of blurred that, photos. Yeah, speaking <laughs> that run away. That, you know, uh, get us uh, subscribe to our Substack. You know, we're trying to put variety of stuff out. You know, here and there. You know, it's probably not going to all be just monster, um, huge, giant articles, but it could just be little short write-ups of you know, even on stuff. So, subscribe to that if you can. Keep an eye out for our video too that we're going to come out with the TPC. Um, Twin Cities uh, scramble today that we played in as well. So should be some fun things. Anything else? Nope. Short and sweet. Like it. All right. Well, one of us can say that, say this with, with pride from the, the qualifier. The difference between <laughs> 79 and 80 is everything. Maybe today's the day I break 80. Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading. No OB and no bogeys. I gotta keep it on the 80. It's the gold G. Well, you hit it on one. Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break 80. Break 80. Break 80.